Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. I think to myself, well, what if, what if I don't get to speak or to say what I wanted to say? But at the same time, it is God's message. Amen? Amen? At the end of the day, it really is His message to you. And my prayer is that I'm, I'm going to do a good job for you. And most of the time, I feel like it's not. So don't call me on Monday because that's my depression time. <laughs> <laughs> Be praying for me, though, because that's when I kick myself in the butt. All right, we're still in 2 Corinthians, and I titled our message, um, right? Okay. Why not? Why not? The question, why not? You know, I could have titled this to, um, uh, I know better, Lord, so leave me be. <laughs> or I could have titled it, why not? First part of the series, Lord, help me. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> or why not? Part one. Of oh boy, there goes my marriage and everything else. Or simply, why not? Oops, I did it again. Glory to see. But I just went with a simple why not. Why not? That's the question of a person that when we're a believer, that when we encounter a command that God gives us or shows us or reveals to us, our question is in a rebellious spirit, why not? Why can't I do it? Makes me happy. Why not? How come God doesn't want me to be happy? Why not? Why not? Everybody else is doing it. Why not? I'm in a free country. Why not? It's 2018. Have you encountered any commands this week that you made your, you got to that point where you're asking, why not? It's okay to ask. But if it's in a rebellious spirit to where you already made up your mind and you said, why not? It's my way, not God's way. Not on this one, Lord. Not on this one. This one is mine. You can take everything else except this. Many, many, or some of us this week, or maybe today, we're all faced with that situation where we had to ask, why not? When our obedience was challenged, or our obedience to God was challenged. Maybe some of us won over that temptation to succumb to our will, not His. Maybe for some of us, we got defeated. Tonight, as we tackle the do not yoke, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I know we've tackled this before when our journey in First Corinthians. But tonight we're going to focus not so much on the not yoking or not being unequally yoked, but more so on the obedience. Because frankly, a command is a command. Our response is our response, and it's either obedience to His Word or disobedience to His Word. And that, church, is where everything differs. An obedient believer will grow spiritually faster than a disobedient believer. Well, that's so simple. Why is he even saying it? 
Well, if it's so simple, then why are we not doing it? Because the hardest things are the things that we think we already know. That's why we make mistakes. That's why we, we stub our toe, right? In the, in the place, in our living room that we lived in for 15 years, but yet still we know that the coffee table was there, but boom, ow! It's not like the table moved. Since we were just careless with our movement. Same thing with our walk. For many of us here, we've known about this verse. The big ifs and whys of ours. Many of us have memorized this. I think if you've been with us for the past three years or even five years, this should be one of your memory verses. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Luke 9.23, Jesus says, this is just the header. I just thought it was good that we have it there. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The word if is conditional. It's a conditional particle. The original language also has that. Same with the English language. That it's a conditional particle which makes reference to time and to experience. Introducing something to the future, but not determining before the event. In our English language, it's a, a condition, it's a noun, condition, or supposition. If, if you love Jesus, then you're supposed to obey His commandments. But that's an if. So maybe... Obeying His commands without loving Him is useless. Correct? Your good works are filthy rags. How do we end up truly loving God? First, with that, it's just not because of your human love. It's because we, we love because He first loved us. And how did He show His love for us? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, have eternal life. That's if you love Him because of that, then you obey His commands. It's not the other way around. You don't obey His commands and eventually love Him. Because some of us, we know unbelievers, right? We know some unbelievers there that are following the Ten Commandments better than we are, sadly. They're better people than we are. If there were a report card that will come out, they'll probably get a better grade than we do. Sad to say. Because we know it's grace. Saved by grace. We don't follow the commands. If we claim that we love God, the result of that love relationship, according to our Lord Jesus, as we see in the scripture, is that we obey His commandments. Simple enough. If we love and if we desire to come after Him, if we desire to become like Him, sometimes obeying His commands is denying ourselves. Most of the time, it's denying ourselves. Most of the time, it's denying what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want it to happen. It's hard. Correct? It's difficult. Close, it's impossible. 
I've said it before and I'll say it again. Christian life is impossible. You cannot do it. But with the Holy Spirit, you can do all things through Him who strengthens you. To follow Jesus day in and day out is impossible. To deny ourselves day in and day out, moment by moment, especially if we think this is the dilemma, when we think it's good. Lord, this is good for me. Lord, this is good for my family. Why not, Lord? Why not? That's when obedience rubs. That's when the rubber meets the rub. Obeying God because we love Him. Denying ourselves is part of, or mostly, denying ourselves is mostly of us moving forward to becoming like Christ. Christianity is not about entitlement. Christianity is denying our rights. <clears throat> Jesus denied His rights to be God in order to save us the first time He came. He was born in a manger. He was born a poor man. But yet us, we, we complain. My insurance does not cover this much. Well, praise God you have an insurance in the first place. Most of the world don't even have insurance. They don't even know what it means. Here in this country, we're so blessed because you will have the opportunity. You have the government that calls for insurance. You have the government that gives you retirement, that takes care of their elderly. Their elderly. In the Philippines, you don't have that. You're on your own. You pray that your children will take care of you. Some of them are still praying <laughs> for their children to take care of them. This, we start with the big if and the big why before we go to the command that we're going to tackle tonight. Because everything else is because of this. The intention of obeying God must be because of our love relationship with Him. And I wanted to, to show you that obeying Him sometimes, or most of the time, is denying what we want. Go to the next one. That's there on the next one. <laughs> Okay, we're here. It, quote unquote, it begins in the mind. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, it starts in your mind. Do we agree? Oh no, Pastor, I saw it. So it started with my eyes. Yes, your eyes saw it, but then it, sorry, it got planted here. It begins in the mind. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I strongly believe that after accepting Jesus as our Lord in our hearts, the next place that we need to accept Him, His ways and His will is into our minds. Paul writes in Romans here that the mind is where we believers have, we need God to transform our minds, our way of thinking, to change it in order for us to learn His will and see what He truly wants for us, He truly wants for us. His will for us is good and pleasing. 
You agree? If you have disobeyed Jesus before, if you have disobeyed God before and suffered the consequences, you know what I'm talking about. But if you've been perfect, so you probably don't know. Don't understand what, <laughs> what disobedience occurs, right? What, what occurs when you disobey God, right? You don't know. Of course not. We all know. We all know what happens to us when we directly, intentionally, clearly disobey what God told us to do. Amen? For the young people here, I want to speak to you real fast. Real fast means 10 minutes. No, no. I want to speak to the young people here. That as early as now, if you can accept the fact that the world out there is telling you differently, differently from what we're talking about here on Sundays, you just know that what you hear on Sundays and what you study in your word and whatever God tells you is the truth. Everything else that the world tells you is a lie. Everything else is a lie. It's the opposite of what God wants for you. The world tells you to be happy. You only live once. Do what you want to do. Carpe diem. Seize the day is what they say. Right? You seize the day and you just do whatever. It only happens. It's now or never. It's not true. It's now or never. And then an unwanted pregnancy happens to you and you have, you're a mom. For how many years until your son is alive or your child is alive? You're, an, you're, an, you're a teenage parent because you disobeyed God's command to not commit that prior to being married. And for the married people, I want to speak to all of us tonight. Wives, no, we just submit to your husband. No, <laughs> to the married people. We all know that God is very clear that we need to be faithful to our spouse. That we shall not commit adultery. And you're thinking there, well, I haven't committed anything. But are you watching certain things that could drive that into your heart? Jesus said that if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. Folks, if you want to keep your marriage pure and and in God's will, you need to avoid those things. You need to do. You need to be pure. You need to be holy. You need to obey God's command. So let's get to our topic. <laughs> so we, we, we got the if, we got the why, and we're, we know that it begins in the mind. So we're tackling the mind tonight. Hopefully I'm approaching, or I'm, I'm going to make a compelling argument that will... Hit your minds tonight, not just your heart. Because I know you all love God, right? We all love God. because We love because He first loved us. But then our thinking needs to change. So let's, let's start with this. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you have it. I will have some verses that will lead the Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hands and... Uh, and it's too late now. Gosh, forgot. Okay. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That's a command. I love how the Heather 
starts there. Warning against idolatry. Idolatry is anything that comes before God. That is our idol. Now, it's just not a statue that for some of us that came from that faith are used to. Those are the idols. That's an idol too. But there are idols that can come in different ways, different forms. Like our children, for parents, they can be our idol. When they come before our relationship with God. The other thing is our spouse, our husbands, or our wives can be an idol. And for some of you, if you are single, having a spouse, or a partner, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend can be your idol. So there's a warning here. It says here, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. We spoke about yoke the last time, right? It's that wooden thing that they put on oxen so that they will work and be lined up and they can work together and do more. It says here, do not be unequally yoked, meaning if somebody is lower, they'll go in, in circles because they can't walk a straight path. That's with the animals. That's the analogy that they used here, that Paul used here. But at the same time, for us, is we cannot be married or we cannot be engaged in a relationship. Now you're asking, what kind of relationship? I would say any relationship, any business relationship that you're going to be involved in, you cannot be yoked with an unbeliever because your standards are different from their standards. Now you're probably thinking, well, because if you know my testimony and Anna's testimony, you're probably thinking, well, you, Pastor Joe, were an unbeliever and Sister Anna, she was supposed to give a testimony tonight, but weren't able to finish it. You and Sister Anna dated while you were an unbeliever. And I wanted her to share how difficult her life was. <laughs> I really wanted her to share how difficult her life was in dating me. <laughs> the unbelieving me. I'm still difficult. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the, the unbelieving me was twice as hard to deal with. So that's my mom. That's my sister. For whatever she went through with me, because I was not equally yoked with her, I couldn't understand. I could care less what she had to say about the Lord. But she disobeyed a direct command, a clear command from the Lord, and she suffered for it. I didn't. But God is good. <laughs> the guy is good. Because through her, I did get saved. So now you're thinking, well, that's what I'm doing. Pastor Joe, that's what I'm doing. That's why I'm going to be dating this person because I want to bring him or her to the Lord. Right. Right. You know, if you're thinking that, you're also saying that God will forget one of his commands to make one command go and happen. No. That's ridiculous, right? God doesn't have to cancel one of His commands in order for one of His commands to, to go through. We are limiting God. 
What we're actually really saying is, you know, we know better. Correct? Because if you yoke with an unbeliever, you are directly disobeying this command I hear. I know this passage is used in highly on marriages. And I know we discussed that in 1 Corinthians. Tonight we want to discuss the dangers and the reason or the reasoning that why we won't obey. The dangers of disobedience to a certain command. We know we're so good in rationalizing God's command. Especially believers, he says, because we're the smartest generation. <laughs> right? We're saying, that's so old school. Why are we discussing the can't? We should be discussing the kids, right? We're so smart. When we say, oh, we can't box God, we shouldn't box God. That's boxing God. Hey, you know, we're smarter. We're better. No, there's been so many people, believers, that's been harmed because of a straight disobedience from a commandment. Business partnerships that has happened between a believer and an unbeliever in business, the believer gets burned. More ways than one. And I'm not guaranteeing you that a believer and a believer partnership will work. <laughs> because the only thing that you guys both know there, you guys are both saved by grace. We basically said that you're both unbelievers, or you guys are not perfect, that you need the Lord. That's the only guarantee there, that you're both saved by grace. It doesn't mean you can't do a bad thing with each other. You're not supposed to. If you love God, you're supposed to love your neighbor. If you love God, you're supposed to be honest. If you love God, you're supposed to be true to your word. But that's not a guarantee too. Because divorces in, in Christian marriages also happen. So that too is not, is not guaranteed. Because why? Because we have the free will. God has given us the free will to obey Him or not. Correct? That's the thing. It's always the case. God's commands are clear. Let's, let's look at one command. Please turn your Bibles to Genesis. Genesis, if you don't know where Genesis is, is in the very first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to start reading from verse 15. If you have a Bible, it's good that you practice turning those pages, to know where the book, books are. It's part of our life. It's your life. It will save your life. You won't catch a bullet for you. It will save your life. The verse command ever. Genesis 2.17. Sorry. I'm going to start reading from verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. 
first observation is the command was given to the man. Now, husbands, husbands, you, if you're a believer, and so is your wife, you are the one who's supposed to lead your wife to God, not the other way around. And I don't want to hear your reason. Your reason is not acceptable. You are the one who's supposed to lead your wife to God's Word. Wives, it's okay. If you know more about the faith with your husband, it's okay. It's okay. You continue to pray, you continue to walk, because before you know it, because of you, your husband will fall in love with the Lord too, because you, how you treat him will change, hopefully, change for the better. And they will finally say, wow, this God that my wife and I believe in truly is real. Because I can see the change in her. Maybe I need to do, maybe I need to take this seriously. But men, we are supposed to lead. Because the word comes to us. It comes to everybody. Here, Eve right here was not yet created. Eve wasn't created yet. The responsibility of knowing and knowing and now, of course, sharing God's command came to Adam, and it was Adam's responsibility to share this command to Eve. Right? Because when Eve came after this, Eve came. So it was Adam's responsibility to tell her the one command that was needed to be followed. Just one. Now, thinking about that, looking at that, I, I feel like he didn't do a good job. I can't help but now to point back, because before I was thinking, oh, it was the woman. It was the woman. It was her mistake. She added something to the verse. But then I'm looking at this, and I go, wait a minute. Eve did not even hear this command, at least in this verse. So it was Adam. So, believers in the family, if you're the only believer and you're the wife, it's your responsibility. I know I said men should lead your family, but if your husband is an unbeliever, you're out of luck. <laughs> it's your responsibility to lead your husband to the faith. And then once they become a believer, then the responsibility goes to them. Fathers, we are to lead our, our children. God's Word. Or else if we make the mistake of communicating through our actions or through our words differently from what God has commanded us, it's our responsibility. It's our fault. That's what a leader is. A leader takes the fault. When the team fails, the leader takes the hit. Do we agree? Amen. <laughs> Second Corinthians 6, 14 and 15. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Going back to 2 Corinthians. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Folks, if you if you really want to consider the truth about our faith, and you really want to answer these questions from Paul, what will your answer be? There are really some things that just don't go together, right? Let's start with the food that really goes together. Let's start with that. Spaghetti, or Filipino, Filipino spaghetti, and Coca-Cola. 
and goes well together. Right? No? Well, worse me. Steak and A1 sauce. They go together. That's the longest favorite. Steak and soy sauce and vinegar. Mungo and Gigi. Now I'm getting you warmed up for the pot list. <laughs> but there are things that don't go together. Like cake and ketchup. Oh, oh yeah. You're like, oh, why? Why would you even do that? I'm Filipino. I put everything on my plate. And then I take it. Oh, my gosh. There's ketchup there. Ew. <laughs> so cake and ketchup don't go together. How about ice cream and vinegar? Yum. <laughs> they don't go together. It doesn't even make sense. Why would you put vinegar on an ice cream? Right? And then lastly, Yoko Ono and the Beatles. I could have gone with a basketball, but never mind. I've been doing a lot of basketball metaphors. You're thinking, but pastor, aren't we supposed to go and make disciples of all nations? That's why I'm going to be associated with them. That's why I'm going to be. It's called, in the, in the Filipino language, evangelize. It's evan evangelize and then courting. Right? Evangelize. Evangelating here. Oh, there you go. I like that. Evangelating. Well, Pastor, we're supposed to go and make disciples, aren't we? But yeah, God... That's right. You have to go and make disciples of all nations. That's true. That's not canceled. That's true. You still do that. But you cannot be yoking with an unbeliever. You cannot yoke with an unbeliever. There's no way of going around. The command stays. You can disobey, which is a lot of us have done. And the disobedience, we pay for it. Our marriages are hard and difficult. It already is with the same faith, with a person with the same faith. It's even harder when you have two different faiths. I don't even know how you would do it. I know all friends that tell me they argue on which church you're going to go to or bring their kids to. Some have compromised. They go to one church in the morning, which is a different one, and then they go to a Christian church in the afternoon. Hopefully it's F I C F. Doesn't matter. We believers have nothing to gain. Let me just say this, okay? If you, if you can remember 1 Corinthians 15, 32 to 33. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink before we die tomorrow. But do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So even even associating or having friends that are unbelievers kind of have a tendency to corrupt us. Do we agree? But that's not, that's not the partnering part that we're talking about here. You're still okay there. But the, 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 the bad thing for us is we become a part of them. We become like them. Again, the analogy of, of, of white, a white sock, white, new, brand new white socks, and you step out in the mud, the mud will not turn into white. Your brand new white socks will be muddy. If you're already married, and you 
just became a believer and your spouse is an unbeliever, the command is that you stay. If your unbelieving spouse tells you, I don't want a divorce, I want to stay with you, your, the command for you is you stay in the marriage. Because maybe, Paul said, maybe through you, as your spouse will see the change in you, your spouse will be saved and surrender his or her life to Jesus too. So I'm not saying you're married now with an unbeliever, you divorce them. Well, I'm not saying that, okay? Did you record that? <laughs> Might be blamed here. Pastor Joe said, <laughs> Second, we are not of the world. This is what I was saying earlier. This is in John 17 and 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Jesus praying to God before he was brought to the, before he suffered the cross. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Believers, this is our mistake. We stay in the world. We are God's ambassadors. Amen? Amen. We are God's representatives. Amen? If our ambassador in the U.S., our ambassador uh, that we sent to Russia, our Russian ambassador, becomes friendly, over too friendly with Russia, where he becomes now part of Russia, we call him a traitor. We call him a traitor. And he will get in trouble. He will go to jail for that. Believers, that's what we do when we become part of the world. When our lifestyle still hasn't changed. When it changes for the worse instead for the better. When we don't glorify God with our lives and with our words, we become of the world. We're traitors. We're bad ambassadors for Christ. That's what happens. And then Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Another mistake from believers is that we have forgotten, number one, the prayer part of our lives. We need to be prayerful. Because we have an enemy, the evil one. Oh, again, we're back to 2018, Pastor Joe. What the heck are you talking about? Evil devil? There's no devil. It's just people, bad people, making bad decisions. There's no evil in the world. That's one of the big, biggest, biggest deceptions of the, of the enemy. Is for us to think that he doesn't exist. That's one of his biggest deceptions. He does exist. We have an enemy out there. And the enemy is going after you. This was, I heard this this week, I guess. I, this is why I was listening to it. What if... An announcement. We all got a text. You know how you get those alert texts? A lion is out. And it hasn't eaten for two weeks. It's very hungry. And it's by 2900 Mill Street. What will you do? For me, I'll push Renee in front of me. <laughs> I'll put Renee in front of me. Renee, where is that? No. We'll be cautious, right? We'll be scared. We'll be concerned. We'll lock the doors. We'll guard everyone. At least we, I hope so. I hope that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to protect each other. Correct? From the lion entering the building and devouring one of us or all of us. Correct? Well, that's what is needed for prayer. 
The devil is out there trying to separate us. The devil is out there trying to consume and devour us. But what are we doing? We're told to pray. Jesus prayed for us. Jesus prayed for us. Jesus' prayer before taking to, the, to experience the cross and to pay for our sins. He prayed for his followers, us, then and now, to be protected from the evil. Clearly, it clearly reads here that we are not of this world. Right? We are not, we're just transients. The first time I heard about the transient was when my mom rented our house to some people to, for a week because it was the Holy Week in the Philippines. And we were getting kicked out. We were going to sleep over at my, my cousin's house. I go, what's going on? Oh, we have some transients coming in. And they're going to stay in our house. So they were there. It was their house for one week. I couldn't go in there. I was at my cousin's house. Because transients are temporary. You're just there for a certain amount of time. A short period of time. That's what we believers are. We're transients of this world. But we, unfortunately, we live as if we're going to live it forever. That we've forgotten the real home that we're supposed to go home to. We've spent our lives accumulating for this world. We've pour, poured out everything, all our strength, all our time. As if we think we're going to live until we're 80, then we're going to be like Pastor Charles. Then I'll start serving God when I'm 80. When I've spent all my life trying to accumulate money so that my retirement will be beautiful and wonderful, then I'll serve when I'm 80. No. If we know we're not of this world, we should be living our day-to-day -day for tomorrow. Amen? should be sharing our faith to our loved ones. We should be living our lives not to serve as a stumbling block. We should be prayerful because we know the enemy is out there to get us, to ruin our testimony. We should be praying for one another because we know that the devil is out there to get any which one of us. Because when somebody falls in this church, what happens? Hey, you know what should happen is we're sad. We are. We feel for that brother or sister if they fell into sin. And I heard about a pastor falling, being unfaithful in his marriage for after so many, 30 something years of being in the ministry that he confessed to um, an affair that he had. I felt for the brother. I didn't laugh like, oh man, what a hypocrite. Nope. It could easily happen to all of us. Because the devil is out there to ruin our testimony to discourage us. So we need to be prayerful. We need to be we need to recognize that we have an enemy that we're not seeing. And the more we are obedient to God's word, the more sensitive we become to his word, to his leading, and to his ways. The safer we are, the safer we are when we walk that straight and narrow, the safer we are to head to that finish line. But we're not exempted by no means from trials. We're not. All the more in the attack. The question that led to the fall. In 2 Corinthians, 
Never mind my notes. Second Corinthians, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's the name of the devil. The Hebrew origin meant worthlessness or wickedness. That's the one name of Satan. He is worthless and he is wicked. What does Christ, right? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Seriously, what? What do we have in common with them? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? Genesis 3.1 Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Yet we see that the devil is very crafty, the devil is very smart, and the devil will make you ask that question, did God really say? Does that really still apply to us right now? It's 2018. Facebook and everything else will tell you what to do. That book is outdated. Did God really say? You know what? The other thing is the devil. The devil is not ugly. The devil is not someone with a pitchfork, with a funny goatee, walking around that you can simply and easily identify. Oh, that's the devil. I'm going to stay away from him or her. No. The devil is cute. <laughs> the devil it looks good. The devil tastes good. The devil presents everything you were dreaming of. For some, it's your dream car. That's the devil, because it took you away from church. You start working overtime, so you can have that Ferrari. Right? For some, the devil is the house, or the houses. Because now your dedication is about making money. So acquire those things. For some, the devil is just somebody that you are secret. Desire, even if they are an unbeliever. Folks, we need to be watchful of the schemes of the devil. Because God has plans for us. Amen? And His plans for us are good and perfect and pleasing to Him. His plans are beyond our wildest imagination. We just need to be willing and obedient to His ways. And his will in order for us to make it whatever it is that he wants for us. Delight in the Lord with all your heart, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37 4. But if you, so people are thinking, so if I delight in the Lord, then God will give me the Ferrari. If I delight in the Lord, then God will give me the early retirement. No. When you delight in the Lord, your life becomes all about God. It becomes everything about God. So guess what your desires from your heart will be? It's all about Him. And the command of not yoking with an unbeliever becomes easy for you to do. Because you love God first and foremost more than any other person. More than yourself. 
more than yourself. That's where we fall. When we make ourselves back in the Lord's seat of our lives. God wants to guide us. God wants and has plans for us. But it's up to us to listen to him or not. Or to the whisper of the devil. Please turn your Bibles to James. I don't have it on the screen, so I would need you to really go to your Bible app or your Bibles. To James chapter 1. We're going to be reading from verse 13 to 16. The devil knows how to seduce and tempt us. And it's usually through our own desires. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting you. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't be misled. Come, you gave it to them. I like it. We're going to go to the next slide. The greatest lie of all. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. She added, she added, right? So we don't know if she added it on her own, or Adam taught her incorrectly. But the other thing there on the last scripture in Genesis we saw Eve talking to the serpent. But Adam was not in the conversation. But as we continue with the story, we know Adam was in the vicinity. So, whether you're married or not to a believer, if one of you is not connected with God, the devil will come in and seduce that one person. So we need to be prayerful. We need to be strong. We need to be aware of that. That the devil is out there to get us. The devil is out there to ruin our marriages. The devil is out there to ruin our relationship with our children. The devil is out there to ruin our relationship with our fellow believers and with our parents for the children. It's out there to kill and destroy. That's what he's doing. So we need to be prayerful. We need to be connected. Unlike Eve there, as she was talking, she was now having a conversation. She was entertaining the enemy to a conversation. Now, she made a mistake here. You will, we will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. You will not lose your salvation. Go ahead and have that relationship. You will not. You will not. It's good for you. You will not have this chance again. You will not have this opportunity with him again, with her again. Surely you will not die. God has forgiven your sins. Just do it. 
Those are the lies of the enemy. Right? Oh, it's only once. It's just this one time. If we know something is bad for us, let's say a poison is in your drink. Right? A poison is in your drink. And they say, there's a poison in your drink. But you only live once and you're here in Mexico. It's the spring break. What are you going to do? For some of us, we took, we taken that drink. For some of us, right? Even though we know it was going to be bad for us. For some of us, we've taken that drink. For some of us, we're still taking that drink. Whether it's through your lifestyle, or bad habits, that you know you're losing your fellowship with God. You're losing your peace. You're losing your joy. You're losing your blessings. But you still, you continue to take that drink. I know this is a bad drink, but oh well. I'll take it anyway. I know it's not good that I'm talking to him or her. It could lead to something else, but you know, oh well. I'll do it anyway. Believers, we have to be careful. Like, unlike Eve here, she entertained a conversation with the devil. She entertained it. And then the sword, one of the pieces of the armor of God is the sword of the Spirit. We discussed that yet last week, correct? That one piece is the only one that you can use for defense and also offense. That's the only thing that you can use out of those pieces there. And the question is, how well versed, how well versed are you? In the Word of God. How much have you taken time to study the Word of God? To where you can quote a verse, the, way, the one you truly need when you're falling into temptation, or when you're about to fall into temptation, or when somebody calls you for counseling, how quick are you to access that Word in your, in your mind and in your heart? The verses that you end up memorizing are the ones that become real in your life. And they become, become real. If you, haven't think, if you haven't read it, there's nothing to pull from. The Holy Spirit will not just magically say, <laughs> oh, John 3.16. No. If you haven't invested time and put in the effort for God, there's nothing. He doesn't give you magically. That's why there's Bible studies. There's Bible studies on Fridays. There's, there's young adults on Tuesdays. Oh, Youth on Tuesdays. Young adults on Mondays. Prayer meetings on Wednesdays. We try to plug you in. We, we try to make a day for you, an extra day for you during the week so that you can be in fellowship with other believers. So you can get strength from them. You can be blessed by them. Or you can bless them. You can be a blessing to us. Sometimes we're discouraged. And someone will walk in the room and full of the Holy Spirit and will just share and all of a sudden we're like, lift it up. Because someone was rescued by God, just like the testimony that you gave earlier. It's uplifting. So that's one of the pieces, is the sword of the Spirit. So we need to be, we need to be taking time in studying the Word of God. We need to be careful coding the Word of God incorrectly. Or using a verse incorrectly. Because that's where you can make this book say anything. There's one verse here, one verse there, one verse there. And then you have a whole doctrine upside down. You have a cult. 
And if you don't study it, yeah, you can use it. You can use one verse from another book and another book and just try to make and manipulate what you want to do. I also see here that she is talking to the devil while Adam is not conversing with him. Sometimes we spend more time focusing so much on the devil too that we forget about God. You know when you struggle about do not be yoked with an unbeliever? Because now you're focused on the person. That person that you're interested in. Rather than God and your relationship with him. That's why it's so hard for you to finally move away because now you've fallen in love. And your love is now for that person and not so much for the Lord. But the first and greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Focus so much on the temptation for that person that we know, even though we know we're unequally yoked with them, and then we don't even talk to God for wisdom and strength. And sometimes when we talk to God for wisdom and strength, we're dictating to Him. Third. Next. Let there be next word. Disobedience is the same thing, is basically the same. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Husbands, if you let your wives lead you, <laughs> you will get in trouble. I know I say that jokingly, but there's so much truth in that too. A society. Our society has changed. Because men, we've become lazier. We've let the woman do everything. Right? We've depended on them and let them do whatever. Oh, let them do it. She can do it. Oh, she got it. She's smart. You know, all affirming statements. But then you road and taking your, your road as a leader away from her. Because you just don't feel it. You just want to fix your car in the garage, right? On the weekends. You don't want to lead your family. You don't want to discipline your kids anymore. Oh, how did mom talk to you? No, we're supposed to take responsibility. Men, we're supposed to take responsibility. Men, we're not supposed to love our wives more than we love God. This is what happened to Adam. He knew that when Eve took a bite of that fruit, he would lose his one and only partner all his life. The only girl that he has ever met. Can you blame the guy? <laughs> he can't blame him. How would he know that there's going to be other women in the world? But this one was taken from his rim. So he will lose, he stood to lose his partner. So he bit and was casted away. What a love story. I'm talking to the, the couples here. Sometimes, sometimes we can't put our spouse above God. Not sometimes, all the time. It has to be God first. Amen? Amen. I always hear this. Bro, how come you didn't make it to church today? Oh, yesterday. Oof. My wife, man. You know how it is. So, how come we didn't make it to uh, the Bible study? Oh, because, you know, my husband has to go to work, and I, I can drive, I have, I have another car, but, you know, if it's not there, 
But I guess if you're if you're doing it for us, I understand. But if you're doing it for God, then I don't get it. If God is your first and foremost priority, then with or without your husband, you should be following him. Do we agree? I guess we do agree. If God is our first and foremost priority, with or without our spouse, we should be moving forward with Him. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame and their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The sowing of fig trees here are the representation of good works for us. And when we sin, we feel like we need to do good works, but it's not going to cover our it's not going to pay for our sins. The many thousand repetitive prayers that we are told to recite or the act of penance or donation you need to give to the needy or the poor, that won't even pay for the sins you committed. Here, you'll see as you do your own reading or if you already know it, I'm pretty sure most of you already know it, that God killed an animal. Blood was shed to pay for the sins of Adam and Eve. And they were given the first leather clothing the world has ever known to cover, to cover their nakedness. The plans of God for mankind has changed from that moment. But God didn't react to it. God already knew it was going to happen. This God is sovereign. He knows everything. So this is the first example that blood must be shed to pay for our sins. So, if you are here and you are still trying to earn your way to heaven by your good works, I tell you that it is useless. Your good works is like filthy rags to God. But Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood to pay for your sins and mine. And you only need to receive him as your Lord. And then you will be in fellowship with him. You will be in a love relationship with him and you have eternal life. A powerful picture here as God showed us through Adam taking a bite of the forbidden fruit in relation to the command do not, do not be unequally yoked. You know, at that moment when Eve bit that fruit, Adam was unequally yoked with Eve. But he chose Sin as well. So pointing it to our topic tonight is do not be unequally yoked, but still focusing the heart of it is obedience. Obedience is the heart of our topic tonight. Now whatever command it may be, God is telling you, obey me or not. Next point. 2 Corinthians 6.16 For we are the temple of the living God. The temple of the living God. How is this? This, this is so unpopular now. The words temple are unpopular. The words holy and sacred are unpopular. We only use it at church. And how about this one? 
Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. All these things, all these words, holiness, sacredness, reverence, we only use it here at church. Right? It's obsolete or old school for the many. And if you use it or if you live by this, you're called that you are not in tune with the real world. You're called boring. You're called self-righteous. There's a discussion in my children's school, which is a Christian school, that I don't agree with. To have, they shouldn't be having that discussion because it's... <clears throat> the question is basically wrong. Let me share it with you. The question is, the children are being... Uh, this topic, this is their topic for their debate. A person who's a Christian, if he or she commits suicide, will he or she go to heaven? That's the topic for a debate for my daughter who's a sixth grader. And my son who's a ninth grader, 14. And it irritates me so much because the peak because of one show, the, the teenage suicide has increased tremendously. So the question for this school, the topic that they chose is, will he or she go to heaven? Believers, sometimes we are not asking the right questions because we have lost, we have lost reverence for God. Right here, reverence for God. We have lost reverence for God. And when we purify ourselves, we are sacred. Our lives are sacred. Your body is sacred. For the young people, your bodies are sacred. Sex is God-ordained act for the human being. It's a gift for us. But it's sacred. But the world has maligned it. It made it trivial. It made it just an entertainment. Our lives are just a throwaway. Well, he or she will go to heaven house. Anyway, <laughs> the question I tell my children should be, if a person is truly a Christian, if he or she loves God, why will he or she take their lives? Because a Christian means we have hope in Christ, correct? Other than being little Christ, we have hope in the Savior who is alive who resurrected from the dead, who walked on water, who multiplied food, who raised people from the dead. That's the, our God. That's the God that we have. So the question's wrong. The debate is wrong. I tell my, my children, I tell them not to be even involved in it. There's a need, believers, that we need to see our lives as a sacrifice to God. A living sacrifice. We need to revere God. Holy fear to God. And everything else which is sin contaminates our body and our spirit. It ruins our relationship with God. It ruins our fellowship with God. Our relationship secure. Okay? It's there. But we lose our joy. That's what we lose. We don't lose our salvation. We lose our joy. We lose our peace. 
last one. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 16. Okay, I'm going to try to help you, okay? 1 Peter is before 2 Peter, before 1 John. It is after James, and James is after Hebrews. Hebrews is after 2 Timothy, which is after 1 Timothy. You found it? Okay, I, I sounded like the ways guy there, didn't I? Okay. So prepare your mind for action. And exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live in God's obedient children. Ask God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Let me repeat that. But now, not later. You, not your partner, not your parent, not your children, not your neighbor, but you must be holy in everything, not some things, not the things you don't like, everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy as I am holy. Again, obedience to God, His will and His ways become true, and for us to become truly pleasing to Him, is obedience is greatly needed. If our love relationship with Him is true, if we truly love Him, we must be obeying His commands, all of it, not some of it. And again, too, if you are still trying to earn your way to heaven because of your good works, Isaiah 64 6 reads, Our good works are like filthy rags to Him. We need to depend. We need to surrender. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. Peter states that we need to exercise self-control. We have to do it. We just don't talk about it. We just don't get a membership, a gym membership, buy a shirt, buy clothes, buy nice shoes, gym clothes, and get in shape. Right? No. You can pay five years with your Anytime Fitness membership and not... Be in shape because you're not going to the gym. You can have all the nice clothes from Nike and Under Armour. But I'll be out of shape because you're not going and doing it. It's the same thing with our faith. If we don't exercise self-control, and when do we exercise self-control? When we want to lose it. That's when you want to exercise self-control. When somebody provoked you so much that you want to lose it, that's when you exercise self-control. I mentioned ways earlier. And I drive a lot in town, right? And I find it that it helps me to put on ways, even though I already know where I'm going. Because this app helps me avoid traffic and, 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 and other things, and construction later. But there are many times, there are still times where I argue with that woman's voice. <laughs> because I know that if I just keep going this way, I will get to my destination. 
Please tell me, go left, go left. I'm like, why? I'm like, minutes away. Even though I've had many experiences that when I argue with the ways lady, I get lost or I get delayed. But I still do. <laughs> it's the stubborn person in me. It's the stubbornness in me. You know what? It's the same thing with us, with our faith, with our walk with the Lord. Despite the many times, the many warnings, the many ways that God has spoken to us and reminded us not to do certain things, for some odd reason, we still fall. But praise God that He paid for it all. Amen? Amen. He paid for it all. I know we've been talking about yoke, the yoking, not an equally yoke with other believers. And Jesus will ask you, why not take his yoke? Matthew 11, 28, 30. Then Jesus said, come to me. Jesus invites us. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. For my Filipino karaoke trainers, you are probably singing the song in your head right now, right? But this is God's invitation. Jesus' invitation to come to Him. Come to me. Take my yoke. This should be the yoke that we are more than willing to take. Sad thing is, most of us, we want to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. More than to be yoked with our Jesus, who will give us rest. In this difficult life, I don't know how busy you are with your lives, but our lives is difficult, and it is hard, right? For some of us, you're happy because you're financially stable, but you have some other struggles. Right? For some of us, we have children, we have everything that somebody could ask for, but you're financially struggling. Everybody has their own struggle. For some of us, we're healthy, for some of us, we're not. Some of us, our loved ones are hurting. When Dustin was in, in, in the hospital, I was, I was worried for him and for my sister. But it brought me to prayer, so praise God. Some of us, your, your loved ones might be, might be sick. And here is Jesus' invitation. Come to me, he says. Come to me, and I will give you rest. My American Christian brothers and sisters, this world has told us to be busy. The devil has been so good in making us busy that we've forgotten about our God. That we've spent all our lives, all these weeks, all these hours for ourselves, no matter how noble it is, for our children, for our spouse. But we're told to come to Jesus and take his yoke upon us for his word and his life. Yoke is easy and his burden is Folks, I know we talked about disobedience. I know we talked about obedience. But more than anything, 
I know I started with the love part. If you love Jesus, obey His commands. And if you want to come after Him, you must deny yourselves, take up His cross daily, and come follow me, Jesus says. God is willing. He's inviting us. Whenever God speaks to us, we should listen and we should obey. Much of our hardships and trials in this life is because of our disobedience to Him and ignoring His ways and His commands. Yet for some of us, sadly, we were quick to blame Him for it. Much like Adam and Eve in the garden, when they were caught in sin, they started blaming Him. It's the woman that you put in this garden. It's the serpent that you put in this garden. <laughs> Marriages break, families break, health fails because of our, sometimes, our disobedience. Let's be blessed and live the life that God has planned for us. Amen? Amen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Let's stop disobeying and let's start obeying. And let's start living a life of full obedience and loving Him first and foremost, more than anyone. And let's take His yoke because it's easy and it's light. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your revelation tonight. Thank you for showing us, Lord God, why we need to be obedient to you. It's because of our love relationship with you. And our love relationship with you happened because of your love for us first. That you came down, Lord God, to die on the cross for us. To pay for our sins, not yours, but ours. The sins that we caused and we committed against you, but yet you provided the payment. Father, I pray for that truth to continue to ring in our minds. That whenever we are tempted to fall away from you this coming days, Lord God, I pray that that whisper and that nudge from the Holy Spirit to remind us, Lord, that if we love you, we should obey, we should obey your commands. And that denying ourselves, Lord God, denying ourselves from our old sinful ways is our way of trying to become like you. And Father, I pray for that desire for my brothers and sisters here who do not have that desire to become like you. I pray that you put that in them, Lord God. I pray, Father, for strength and encouragement for everyone that's here tonight. I pray for those who are struggling, Lord God. And thank you for your promise that if we take your yoke, Lord God, it's easy and it's light. Father, I pray that we will delight in you. That everything, every single desire of our hearts will be for you and about you. I pray, Lord God, that our lives will be poured out for you, for your people, for your will, that we will bring glory to your name, not you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. 
To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. <laughs>